Hello, my name is David Turner and this is another Lunar Poetry Short and today I'm in central London with Kaio Giovanni. Hello Kaio. How are you doing David? Uh, Kaio is currently the Associate Poet at the Institute of Contemporary Arts uh, in central London. But uh, we're going to be, we'll talk about that in a minute, we'll begin with a poem. Sure, um, this is a poem called Martin's Corner. <laughs> Meat wagons sing an ode in sardonics, passing a bus held briefly to regulate the service. Jesus loves you if you believe in signage. High heels clack, I slung off, taken in hand. A shawl flicked around Our Lady's shoulders flutters. She speeds up by Londis, past friends pressed against shutters, huddled from the cold, round a zoot, twos then snuffed by a scuffed shoe. This is the hour when a gl silver glimpse, likely a phone, is a blade, and a patch of shade must be an assailant. A couple on their second date claim a requisite slow dance in the space where restraint cuts its eyes at recklessness, their arms charm necklaces, warding off the thought of these limbs round some other neck, the night years hence when they'll forget how to want and need in the same breath. Thank you guys. Cheers. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, you're currently the associate poet at the ICA. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Um, the ICA approached me um, about a year ago, I suppose. Um, uh, the curator Juliet Desor she emailed me and said, "We're looking to appoint a um, an associate poet or associate poets, and would would this be something you're interested in?" Um, and so I said yes, because I've been to some stuff at the ICA before, I know a little bit about their history in, in working with poets, and um, so I sent them some stuff by way of application, and I think a number of other people did, and each of us met with them, and in the end they, um, they appointed myself and they appointed Sophie Collins as associate poets, each for five months each, so each of us had some things that we wanted to focus on in that time, and uh, yeah, it just came about through ICA emailing me and my meeting with them and I guess them weighing up who they wanted for the, for the role and then deciding on that basis. Um, yeah, I think the things that I pitched to them that I wanted to do are pretty similar to the things I've ended up doing. Um, I think maybe I might have been too ambitious with it initially, but that's not always a bad thing. But yeah, I'm really, really pleased to to be doing it and that it all worked out yeah and what do you personally hope to achieve from this residency um I think and, this and also yeah. as a sub part of that question um how possible is it to achieve those things as well because yeah. i don't really know how this kind of residency would work but yeah. i think uh with a residency like this it's quite open mostly my role is to add something to the events program at the ica so i'm doing two events uh, one that you've been to already, Poetry and Sound, and then The Poetics of Grime. But I'm also doing a workshop uh, with young people around initiations, which I'm thinking a lot about lately. But um, I guess contributing to the program is one thing, but then there's also a possibility for writing new work in response to some of the collections and the archive that they have at the ICA, which is really massive. It has a lot of stuff in it around poetry, youth culture, arts, activism, loads of stuff in there. So there's this scope to um, go into the archive and let that influence me a little bit. And um, I'm hoping to do some of that and make something, a publication maybe, that draws together 
some of the work from people that have performed at my events, some new work from the archive and from the collections, and just maybe some commentary or some ideas that I've gained from doing the, 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 uh, the residency. So what I'm mostly hoping to achieve is just to, to broaden the program at the ICA in some ways, bring in people that have never been to the ICA before or thought about going but have never gone down there, um, bring out some of their engagement with poetry in the past, really. Mm. Um, yeah, because they've got quite a broad history, haven't they? Yeah. Having spoken, like, if you talk about broadly, spoken word events as well. You know? Yeah, I mean, they've been doing speaking events for a long time, but also they've been directly involved with poets. Mm. They were involved with poets and critics like Eric Mottram, um, who's been very involved in um, the kind of British avant-garde poetics circles. Same with Bob Cobbing, yeah. he's quite famous in, uh, in sound poetry circles. And, and also they've been involved with stuff to do with the kind of materiality of the book and publishing and print and all that kind of stuff, which I think is more important than ever to think about. I think print is, print is not really an ancient uh, technology. It's relatively new in some senses but it's already being seen as something really outmoded mm. and that it's, being, it's going to be replaced in a few years' time. And I think there are still some benefits of print. There are still some things that print publication affords uh, text that we should think about and, and uh, address. And I think something like this residency is a good space to think about those things in relation to poetry. As to how possible it is to achieve all of that stuff, I think I think contributing to the program is easy enough because I'm bringing something to the program that maybe they don't have in quite the same way because of my own particular tastes, um, which, I, which are, I guess, mixed up in, in lots of different ways and so that might bring some interesting events to the table. Um, and then thinking about the broader question of maybe print and publication, I think that's something that we can only start a conversation about. Um, yeah, and I think I'm confident we can do that in, in this time that we have. Mm. And how, what kind of place do you feel that poetry has in contemporary art spaces? Mm. I was really surprised to find a place for poetry in contemporary art spaces. I did, um, I did an event at the, um, the Serpentine Gallery. Mm. They have a poetry marathon every year and they have various poetry events throughout the year. And I just didn't realise the extent to which they engaged with poetry, but also the audiences they attract for that. Um, these, the people who were there weren't necessarily people that I had seen around the London poetry scene, but they were engaged with poetry in a very, um, in a very kind of nuanced way, I suppose. They were willing to sit and listen to the stuff for an hour, more than an hour, and then talk about it afterwards and this kind of stuff. So I think, um, I think contemporary art has, has a space for, for poetry in it and I think a lot of contemporary artists use poetry and text in their work quite often so it's not really that much of a leap for people mm. to go along to a poetry reading if it's framed in the right way for them I suppose, if it's, if it's made open to them. So um, I think there's definitely a space for poetry in contemporary art um, because poetry Poetry is, is, is thinking about the texture that words have, yeah. as you might think about the texture of colours or 
you can even think about once you get into sound you can think about the color that words have as well so um, yeah I think there's definitely a space for it and being at the ICA has shown me that more and more because I was really amazed by the response that the event that we did got really mm. it was essentially a experimental poetry night and there was loads of people there yeah. and they were up for it and loads of them stayed stayed afterwards in the bar and had discussions and this kind of stuff so yeah it's really it seems like a really good moment to be involving myself in in contemporary art circles I mean one thing I've always found I think when the poetry events do happen in art spaces like that you, you, it's ten, it's tends to be easier to start up a discussion afterwards isn't it yeah because it's sort of more uh, expect or just happens far more in art yeah. spaces the discussion of what work means and also the language for discussing painting like you said and poetry is not they're not that far removed yeah. anyway are they you know it's yeah I think there's a certain quality of attention that a gallery space brings which invites people who are willing to think about things in a um, in a more extended way or willing to have a deeper conversation about things if you have a poetry event above a pub already the context is a more social context mm. whereas in a the gallery there's already a kind of layer of um, analytical thinking that goes into how the space looks and how the program is presented so if you put a poetry reading or event in there I think it brings a different quality of attention to things and so when you come to discuss things afterwards there's going to be that level of attention there as well that's not to say you can't get into a discussion after a poetry event at a pub or whatever but I think the quality of the discussion is different not that it's better but it's just different <coughs> no and it's also I think it's also important to point out I think we both agree that it's nice to have those events mm. in pubs and yeah. not have the pressure to you know sometimes it's nice to it's good to have both you, know, yeah. like you need yeah, to yeah. have spaces where you can maybe discuss ideas if you want to yeah. and also have nights where you can just go what go watch enjoy it yeah. and have a drink or, yeah. or dance afterwards or, you know, chat, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk a bit more about the ICA programming in a bit but we'll take another reading first yeah, sure. um, this is a poem called The Colour of James Brown's Scream. Um, this is the title poem of, um, of a new, new pamphlet or chapbook that, I've, um, that has just been released. I have known you by many names, but today you are Larry Levan, your hand on the platter in the smoky room of a garage regular's memory. You were keeping when doves cry in time as you swing your hips and sweat drips from your hair the colour of James Brown's scream. King of King Street, we are still moving to the same sound though some of us don't know it is your grave we dance on. Cutting shapes, machismo lost to the beat, every roadman is a sweet boy if the DJ plays heartbroken at just the right time for these jaded feet. Teach us to shapeshift, Legba. You must know I'd know your customary shuffle, that phantom limp anywhere that I see your hand in the abandon of a couple, middle of the floor sliding quick and slick as a skin fade by the hand of a Puerto Rican clipper man who wields a cutthroat like a paintbrush. Let us become like them, a moving ode to sweat, ordering beer in a corporeal language, from a barman who replies by sweeping his arms in an arc, willy ninja style, to fix a drink our lips will yearn for a taste we've been trying to recreate 
ever since. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Um, so, as you mentioned before, you started the series of programmes at the ICA with the Poetry and Sound event. Mm. Um, maybe you could explain briefly what the structure of the, the event and the night, and then we can chat a bit more yeah, about sure. how it came so, about. The Poetry and Sound event was presented in the theatre at the ICA, which is a very big uh, blacked out space. Um, it has a kind of lighting rig above it. And we decided to um, we decided to position each of the four poets performing on a different platform spread around the room in a kind of 360 uh, configuration. Um, so I started the night by introducing the first two poets and then just opened it out to them. Then partway through I introduced the next two poets. And I think having that that 360 formation meant that the audience had to kind of keep moving and it kept it flowing and moving in a way that if you just had a sit-down hour-long reading it wouldn't it wouldn't maybe speak to the kind of acoustical spatial kind of awareness that I was thinking about in relation to sound poetics and just thinking about sound in general um, I decided to, to put on a, an event uh, under the title Poetry and Sound just because I've been fascinated for a long time by what constitutes sound poetry. If poetry is already using language musically or thinking about the, the sound of words, what happens when somebody goes deeper into that process and goes just into the sound of a word and leaves its meaning behind for a moment or goes so deep into the sound of a word that its meaning is lost momentarily. So. I was really interested in those poets that are really uh, that are having dynamic engagements with sound, that are musicians as well as poets, that are influenced by music, that are creating uh, performances which have the musicality of words at their heart. Um, I think in poetry, with any writing which is then read out, the easy thing would be to read something which is easily understandable, referential, which somebody can listen to you read and get an understanding from immediately. With sound poetry you get a totally different thing whereby you almost reach someone's subconscious it feels like. Um, you might stir some memory that they have that is grouped around a particular sound or you might remind them of a particular thing or it might have a very strong meaning for one person which is different for another person. Which I think if you only work at the level of narrative and referential meaning you might lose that process a little bit so I was really fascinated by how I could bring bring that thinking around poetry into the events program that I uh, that I proposed to the ICA and I mentioned this event poetry and sound to them and they were really excited because obviously they've got that history with uh, with loads of sound poets in um, I think that works really well in a gallery space as well because uh, it takes you into the realms of performance art and this kind of stuff. So it was just a natural, natural fit. It seemed like once we had uh, once we had the details sketched out, um, I think it went really well. And um, I think I might continue to do some 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 events under the kind of heading of poetry and sound, and see where I can take that next or which avenues I can explore with it. Yeah. It's probably worth mentioning the four poets that you invited to the event as well in case people want to check them out because they were really, a great night, I thought they were 
I hadn't seen any of them before, ah. and it was really nice. I, I, I knew all of their names, but mm. I just hadn't seen them at any, any events. But. Yeah, so the final lineup was um, was David J, um, and Amy Evans, and uh, Holly Pester, and Anthony Joseph, and I was just really pleased with the uh, with the range that we could encompass. Um, David J and Anthony Joseph are both both kind of musicians, or they're influenced by musical. Uh, lineages in hip-hop, in calypso, in jazz, in funk um, and uh, Holly Pester and Amy Evans are coming at it from a kind of British avant-garde poetry perspective but they have a little bit of musical um, a musical attunement and interest as well I think um, Amy is a singer too, she's a choral singer um, so it was just a really nice gathering of different voices I think they complemented each other really well, but I was really pleased with um, with the range that we were able to show. Yeah. And talking about sound in this way, in, in, uh, loaded with that kind of meaning, what role does it play in your own writing? I think sound is um, I think sound is one of the main things that I that I draw on in the kind of writing that I do. Um, I think when when I'm feeling lost in a piece of writing and N unable to find the kind of find the kind of thread that's going to guide me through writing it. Sometimes sound is the thing that that, that pushes a piece of writing through. Um, and what I mean by that is just that there might be there might be something missing, and it might be that that a song lyric or something that I listen to reminds me of something which fits into that space. Or it might be that I stop thinking about trying to be referential and go for a more emotive, evocative uh, thing. So I might invoke a sound in that moment and then see what that does. Um, so yeah, sound is really important. In particular, music, I think, is, is something that always comes back, either quoting lyrics or being inspired by a piece of instrumental music or... Um, being reminded of something by, by a piece of music or I also write songs occasionally so um, I'm always trying to be musical in the writing that I do um, so sound is always always something are you I'm thinking always, about. You're always striving for musicality in print as well is that seems to be so. equally important to you as well. Yeah I think so I, I haven't taken this as far as certain poets like say um, Douglas Kearney he's really amazing in what he does in terms of trying to get a musical feel in the way the words are placed on the page um, but I'm always trying to get those echoes and repetitions and things that when you look at them you'll get a kind of musical effect from yeah. the looking as well as the, the speaking aloud and listening so yeah it's always I never feel a poem is finished in print unless it evokes something of that sonic yeah. uh, sonic uh, engagement we're talking about um, influences and sort of music, musical influences. So your next event at the ICA will be Poetics of Grime. Mm. Um, why have you chosen that as an event? Yeah, an so um, I chose the Poetics of Grime because I've been, I've been, and I think poetry in general has been uh, very influenced by hip hop lyricism since uh, since the inception of hip hop. That has become a popular form of poetry, in some sense, for want of a better word. Um, 
and I think Grime is doing a similar thing, but it's a very UK-specific music. Yeah. Um, so I was interested in exploring UK-specific influence because Grime has that um, has that intermingling of uh, UK garage, and it has a little bit of hip hop lyricism, has a little bit of kind of jungle and ragga lyricism. So I was thinking of a way in which all of us over here have maybe been influenced by that, uh, by that tradition. And I thought grime was the perfect uh, music to encapsulate that because if we're going to talk about the influences that we have, we can talk about hip-hop, and hip-hop has been very influential on various poets. But if we talk about grime, then we're creating a fuller picture of the musical landscape in this country. Um, so that was the main reason, but also I've been listening to Garage and then I'll, I've been listening to Grime since, you know, um, I started listening to Garage in the late 90s, 98. I've been listening to Garage since then, really. And so the movement into Grime is something that I've witnessed um, through first-hand experience of being, um, being, uh, being there when, like, my friends were in ciphers, like battling each other um, or being there when people were recording were recording uh, sets onto cassette uh, like in somebody's garage because they had decks and all this kind of stuff so it's very much a part of what I grew up in um, and for a time I was trying to be like a garage MC towards the tail end of uh, UKG in terms of its popular appeal so around 2000 2001 I was writing gar garage lyrics um, and performing those um, and then when it shifted into grime I was kind of more focused on poetry but I was still following the MCs and their lyrics and I knew their bars and this kind of stuff so it's always been a music that's been close to me um, and in terms of the people that I know it's always been like very close at hand in terms of people make beats there have been people DJing there's different MCs so I think when I start to think about what music has really framed me, it has to be grime. Hip-hop has been really important, but the one that has made me feel really like involved and, that, and made me feel that sense of ownership is really grime because it speaks about, speaks about catching a train to different ends to do a radio set. And you know, like in my mid to late teens, I was catching trains to go and do open mics and stuff like that in the poetry sense. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it spoke about something that I could see when I looked outside um, in a way that hip-hop from like, I was, I was really big into Mob Deep when I was listening to that stuff, like I got something from it, but I didn't necessarily understand from a first-hand experience yes, of yeah, those of things, so yeah. It, actually, I think it's probably, in terms of recurring influences, it's probably, the big, it seems to be the, the most common influence of young British poets is grime yeah. you know and I think it's probably important that there is some discussion about how that is not hip hop and you know and why yeah. it's why it's so influential to young British kids and yeah I think if you're if you're like under 21 that will be your main like musical yeah. heritage as a poet probably um, you might be you might be a little bit influenced by um, like on the other side of things you might be into like punk rock and indie and new wave and that kind of stuff um but there's always a way in which grime has um, it sort of served as an umbrella at a certain time for um, 
for a kind of British identity. I think when Dizzy Rascal broke through, he was representing for a lot of people um, in a way that in a way that American uh, listeners had never heard before. Yeah. Essentially, and uh, when he got his Mercury Prize and said East London stand up tall, and he's really like. Um, he was really shy at that point. It seemed like there was there was this defiance and shyness at the same time. And I think uh, grime has allowed us to move away from the shyness into a kind of sense of ourselves. Um, so yeah, whenever you have a music like that, it's bound to galvanise people. Mm. Um, we're going to take a third and final reading, and then we'll get on to chatting a bit about other things you're up to at the moment. Sure. Um, I wanted to read this poem because uh, because it has a little bit of uh, has a little bit of garage in it, um, and we've spoken a little bit about garage. So um, it starts with a quotation from Daryl McDaniel's from Run DMC from uh, from a documentary called The Hip Hop Wars, I believe, which was broadcast on Channel Four in in the UK. Um, it was all about tapes back then. Daryl McDaniels. So this is a poem called Self-Portrait as a Garage MC um, and this is from the second section. If I could navigate the fuzz of traffic reports, dinner table jazz and topical chat, Magic FM is where in the stillness between last bell and the latch announcing mum's return to stagnant dishes littering the kitchen sink, I'd rest the red dial of the Sanyo cassette player bought part exchange from a now-defunct branch of Tandy on Wandsworth High Street. I was lost to the underwear section of Littlewood's catalogue, gave way to R&B on E-numbers. Hi-hats the hiss of hydraulic pistons, snares like tins dropped on tiled floors, all of it piped in from backroom studios, sheds, distant kitchens haunted by teenage DJs hunched over decks, set up next to microwaves or in pride of place on a good table usually reserved for special occasions. We loved the casual bravado of MCs with 40-a-day voices and too many ladies to big up from last week's rave. Years out of reach, but ours to keep on a TDK cassette bought four in a pack for a pound. Most days I couldn't stretch. Pocket money spent on pick and mix or chipped into part ownership of Victor's dad's latest copy of Escort. I'd plunder my mum's cachet of cassettes for something she wouldn't miss or couldn't bring herself to admit she once loved. Lucky Dubey and Prince were off limits. Kenny Rogers became slick lyrics I could earn stripes by reciting tomorrow lunch in front of anyone who'd listen, if I could cut just the right amount of sellotape, or make small enough balls of tissue to cover the notches along the apex of each cassette, made without tabs to prevent dubbing. Remember the days before your Walkman was banished to a life in the attic, how you cherished it. Cutting a hole in the lining of your blazer so you could slip the silver box into the gap between the fabric. Pass an earpiece up one sleeve, rest your head on one hand during maths class and sit ignoring the talk of vertices, indices, factorials, napier bones. All the time mouthing the words, breath wheezing its way through each line, brow crimped, concentrated. Soon I'd used up all the dregs in mum's collection, and nothing was left save a black TDK, unmarked, without a case. 
Thinking that it must be something so laughable she couldn't bring herself to catalogue, I lifted it, weighed it in my hand, slid it cleanly into place, pressed the play button, and waited. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so what else are you up to at the moment? I believe you're involved with another re residency. And, uh... Yeah, it's kind of been the, the year of residencies in a strange way. Um, uh, so I've been, um, I've been working with Royal Holloway University of London and um, Counterpoints Arts. Counterpoints Arts are a, uh, an arts organisation who, um, who work with migrant and refugee artists, not only to commission work but also to shine a light on the work that people are doing. They're involved in uh, celebrating sanctuary. They, they put that together and they also put together the Refugee Week conference. Um, and also Platformer, which is a kind of conference where different uh, migrant and refugee arts organizations get together. So what they're really involved in is celebrating artists who break out of the kind of easy tropes around refugees and migrants, people who do uh, a range of different work, um, people who speak back to where they came from but also who have created hybrids which come through uh, their, 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 their heritage and history but also the present, the, uh, the art world that they're part of now uh, having moved. So um, with Royal Holloway and Counterpoints Arts I've been working on new writing. Um, I've been working at, with the students at Royal Holloway. Um, we'll be doing a number of public events. One of them is in uh, April, I believe the 24th or so. It's at Rich Mix. Um, it's an event called Literature and Activism. Um, and uh, there's going to be something as part of Refugee Week as well, which is uh, going to be a new piece of writing that I'll have been working on during the residency. And, Refugee Week this year is in the last week, I believe, of June. Um, so um, I've been really fortunate, I think, to have these different opportunities to work towards my interests. And uh, migration is something that's very key to my poetics because without migration, I wouldn't be writing poetry, probably. Um, coming to live in this country was something that opened out the world of being a writer to me. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for that opportunity to do it. Um, I'm, also, uh, I'm also a DJ. I played at the Theatre Royal in Stratford. So um, my next DJ gig there is March the 11th, I think. So there's always, there's always a few things going on. Mm. Um, a reading on the 26th of February at the British Library. Um, that's to do with an anthology which, which was about mapping different spaces in Britain um, uh, and, and the anthology is called Out of Bounds. So yeah, there's loads, loads of things going on. Yeah, yeah. and do, do you have any blogs or yeah, so, um, people to follow your work? My blog is called The Train Set Lifestyle, um, which I've never really explained on the blog, but um, <laughs> it's kind of around how, how most poets get around because there's this running joke that poets don't drive. I don't know why, um, but you'd be surprised how many don't. Um, so yeah, the train set lifestyle is my blog. That's um, http chingoni.wordpress.com. But 
Trendset Lifestyle will get you there or searching my name will get you there as well. Um, yeah, and... Uh, I'll, put, I'll put a link to the to the blog in the description cool. of the video so people can just click on and yeah. be redirected there. But nice um, that's probably, probably have to wrap up, but could have could just go on chatting all afternoon. But, um, <laughs> thank you very much, Kyle. Cheers, um, nice one. I really recommend if anyone's listened to this and has the chance to come down to the Politics of Grime event at the ICA, should do that. If not, just check out Kyle's blog. Thank you, Kyle. Nice Cheers. one, thanks. See you later.